As the attack in Gaza continues to kind of unfold, a lot of people have been wondering whether or not the violence that we're seeing is going to erupt into other regions around the Middle East. Now, we have been seeing protests going on in several countries, in Morocco, in Jordan, uh, Syria, Egypt. A lot of people are wondering whether or not the other countries in the Middle East are going to attack Israel You know, for what has been going on in that area. Now, Hezbollah, which is located up in Lebanon, they have recent, there have been recent reports that they might in fact start attacking Israel from the north, to which after these reports kind of came out, the United States, you know, said that if Hezbollah did in fact try to engage the Israeli military, that the US military would essentially go in there and help the Israeli military fight back against Hezbollah. Now, this is also coming on the backs of Iran, who said recently, and we have this uh, report here out of Ground News again, uh, warning Israel that if it might intervene in Gaza if that operation does in fact continue. Now, there is a really significant you know thing at place here because for if we're living here in the U.S., you might think to yourself, you know, oh Iran. I mean, like the U.S. has been talking about going to war with them for a long time now. But if Iran gets involved in all of this, there is a lot more at play here that maybe people might not understand. Iran, for instance, for those who do not know, they currently have a military alliance with two nations you might be familiar with, the nations of Russia and China. They joined into what they call this triangular pact. This was actually earlier this year, and they did so on July 4th which is not by accident. I'm going to put this up here on the screen really quick. As the United States was celebrating its 247th birthday, Iran was celebrating the birth of a new multipolar world order, which is intended to replace the current unipolar American-led order. At Russia's state-owned Persian language news agency Sputnik, Iran's entry into the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, the SCO, did not occur on America's Independence Day by coincidence. Iran became the ninth full member of China's led security and economic bloc during the group's virtual summit on July 4th. Tehran, which for those who don't know is the capital of Iran, hailed its membership as an achievement for its Eastern-oriented foreign and economic policy. Iran's media outlets welcomed this membership as a move against American hegemony and a step towards strengthening multilateralism. China, Russia, and Iran have in recent years crafted this triangular alliance. And this is happening as the economic powerhouse of China is beefing up the Islamic Republic's sanctions-plagued economy by illicitly buying Iranian oil at a discount of up to 25%. Now this SCO membership expected to reduce Iran's economic and diplomatic isolation in world affairs and make the US-led sanctions against Iran less effective, eroding Washington's leverage to exert further pressure on Iran. So back home here in the U.S., Secretary Treasury Secretary Yellen said that America can definitely afford to both fund the war in Ukraine and this war in Israel. Joe Biden's administration is now asking for over $100 billion to send military aid to both Israel and Ukraine. Erica, are you in fact, are you worried at all that we might be entering into a larger conflict? And do you think it's a real possibility that we could see one kind of a large on a, on a larger scale? Absolutely. I mean, this is 
the Middle East is a tinderbox right now, and this is the most tense it has been, I think, in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, you know, even with the Iraq war <laughs> right now, this has so many players involved, so many people ready to take up arms. Um, you know, we could see Israel fighting a war on multiple fronts on the northern front, on the southern front and on the west in the West Bank as well. Um, and yeah, I think that it could really quickly spiral out of control, given the different alliances involved given that it's you know US and Israel versus all of these big huge geopolitical players yeah i it's i mean if it i think it's probably impossible to guess at all what is going to play out here but it just it's it all is spelling a huge global catastrophe um and Israel and and Palestine that conflict has been just simmering for so long, it's finally bubbling over and into other areas. Um, we're already seeing, like, Israel has bombed Damascus and Aleppo airports in both of those places. Yeah. Um, there has been the Israeli military and Lebanese militia fighters, uh, Hezbollah, have been trading fire at the border. Um, we are already seeing these things bubbling over in small ways that could quickly and very easily become huge, um, especially if the U.S. is involved in, you know, th the U.S. says that we have these um, aircraft carrier battle groups stationed out in the Mediterranean as a deterrent so that Iran does not come and strike Israel right now. But... It is also kind of that that ups the the level of that ups the stakes so much and the the danger involved when you have U.S. bad you know aircraft carriers, two thousand U.S. troops ready to deploy for supposedly non combat roles, but ready to jump into this war anyway. Like the U.S. is just literally just on the verge of getting in. Um, if one of our one of our military people on the ground gets killed, <laughs> you know, what happens then? What does the U.S. do after that? I mean, we, we're already seeing a lot of American um, citizens um, being involved in the conflict over there. But as soon as you put boots on the ground, as soon as you put, you know, your weaponry right at the border there, right, right outside of this conflict, you are just ready for it all to explode. And I don't know if that is an effective deterrent or if it's just going to inflame the whole region. You know, it, it's it's something that I, I'm truly wondering about, just kind of like looking at all the different variables in play here right now. You know, Iran being in a military alliance with Russia and China, that that is a massive deal. I mean, they routinely will do like naval exercises together. You know, it is not by mistake that, you know, like they are kind of like, uh, shifting their alliance with them, like Russia and China have very much shown that they are very against like the US and, you know, in the Western nations, you know, China is very upset with the US for, um, in their eyes, meddling with Taiwan, which they believe is, you know, rightfully theirs, you know, Russia seeing um, the US aid Ukraine in, in a battle where they think that the US should have no kind of like, no kind of um, involvement in. And then Iran positioning itself as a big player in the Middle East 
in an area that has been just ravaged by U.S. imperialism for a long time now with Iraq and Afghanistan. Those people haven't forgot about like what in Syria, people haven't forgot about what's happened in those in those areas for so many years, how many people have died. So Iran essentially pushing back against the U.S. and its allies, it, it makes it seem as though it's almost like a hero in that region. This is also coming at a time where Saudi Arabia was supposed to have a peace deal with Israel and then backed off that peace deal with Israel and is openly going out of its way to push back against Biden. And so we're seeing two countries actually now engaging with each other that are brutal enemies, Iran and Saudi Arabia. Now they might be coming together to unify over this. And in a lot of people's minds in the Middle East, they feel justified because we are seeing Israel cut off electricity internet and aid into Gaza, which in fact is a war crime. We are seeing that they are telling a million people to leave northern Gaza, head of southern Gaza, which again, you know, forced displacement is a war crime. When you are saying that, you know, you're going to treat people like they're all like none of them are civilians. That's again, that is, um, that is, you know, punishing an entire population. That is in fact a war crime. And now we are seeing that the, the human rights, um, yeah, I'm sorry, Human Rights Watch is confirming that white phosphorus was in fact dropped on the civilian population in Gaza. Erica, can you tell us a little bit more about what exactly white phosphorus is and what it does to people? Sure, yeah. Um, you know, the U.S. used white phosphorus in its its recent wars in the Middle East. I actually have a friend who was a Marine in Afghanistan, in Fallujah, um, and he shared photos with me of the damage that this white phosphorus does. It's supposed to be used as a tool to light up cities at night, right? So they rain it down on these cities and it it illuminates them temporarily. But what it does to bodies is it eats through to the bone. So the pictures that I saw were of just spines laying out in the street in the dirt because it rained down on people and everything else was eroded away. That is how horrific it is. I've seen so many videos of this white phosphorus being used right now in Gaza. It And when it rains down, it looks beautiful. And it is just death raining down upon you, you know? Um, then the, the whole ground will be lit up by that. It, it Anyway, it is just one of the most horrific weapons that you can use. And it is absolutely a war crime. Israel needs to be strongly fucking contempt for this. There is... When, when you're seeing all these things happen, and Israel is one of the nations that didn't sign the international pact saying that it wouldn't use white phosphorus. And when you see something like that, it almost takes the phrase international law and proves the fact that no such thing actually exists, yeah. right? Because you're, you're essentially just saying, it's like, oh, well, try to charge me if you want to, because you know yeah. we're going to do it anyway. And so my point to bring all this up is that when you're talking about the Middle East as a block, not just one individual country, but all the different countries that are in that area of Western Asia, you're going to have an entire area of people who might feel like this is almost like a call to arms. And you never know how that might spill over. And mm -hmm. if one of those nations who's leading that charge, Iran, happens to have the backing of two of the three top militaries in the world, this could very easily become something much larger very quickly. Now, as you mentioned, the U.S. sent two U.S. aircraft carriers, and you know, like over there, in order as a deterrence. But 
you know, it, this could very easily like just turn into a full blown war really quickly. And I don't know that we're all really ready to deal with the implications of what that might really look like. No, I wanted to um, read a couple other things that the foreign minister, the Iran's, Iran's foreign minister said um, on Twitter, he wrote that the likelihood that the war will spread to other fronts is, quote, approaching an unavoidable stage. Um, he said, if the Zionist aggressors do not stop, the hands of all parties in the region are on the trigger. He also said, if we don't defend Gaza today, tomorrow we have to defend against these phosphorus bombs in the child uh, bombs in the children's hospital of our own country. So they are they are thinking that they need to jump in to avert this catastrophe coming to their doorstep. I don't I think that's probably faulty thinking because you know it's it will come to them if they come into this conflict. Um but yeah I mean it and Iran has even warned that they they will attack American interests in Iraq if the US gets involved. Um, they will like basically mobilize the militias that they are in control of, which they have militias in Syria, in Lebanon, in Iraq, in Yemen. They can call upon them when they want. And um, yeah, so this could really, really quickly get so fucking ugly. I'm I'm really terrified right now. I think we all should be because I think the all of the propaganda that we've gotten our whole lives about the power of the U.S. military has really been called into question. You know, our like our proxy war with Ukraine, we've dumped so much of money, uh, you know, money that would be in our defense budget into Ukraine. That's essentially it's for a lost cause. I mean, Ukraine is losing that war. I mean, regardless of what people will tell you back here. Mm -hmm. And we also saw a 20 year campaign in Iraq and Afghanistan, by the time that you left, Iraq had more terrorism than when you yeah. showed up. And the Taliban who were in control of Afghanistan when you showed up were in control of Afghanistan when you left. So what exactly is the power of the US military right now? Is it just nuclear weapons? Because Russia and China have them too. So I, I don't think people should be courting war in any way, shape, or I think they should also be very afraid of it. You know, this is something that would be just it would be affecting millions of us all over the world. And I, I hope that everyone understands like the gravity of this situation right now. Even General Petraeus, head of the CIA, former senior military figure in the U.S., he warned that this can't be like Baghdad, um, where we remove a reg regime and then we basically create a power vacuum and fight for decades in that region. Uh, he even even this general in the U.S. is saying we can't do this shit again. Um, and everyone's calling this like, you know, a 9-11 situation after the October 7th attack. Um, it It is quickly becoming very like that, where the the involvement that are going to come out of this conflict are going to just spiral um, even in a to a worse degree than we saw in Iraq.